Code Red for Humanity. That was basically the upshot from the IPCC report on climate change yesterday. But markets weren't too concerned about that. They were more concerned about how quickly the Fed is going to taper its QE programme. In fact, markets have been very mixed. They're pulled one way by the easing of support and the other by fears of a slower recovery and certainly less travel, which is why oil is down a fair bit today. But ask anyone in Southern Europe right now, they're more concerned about the climate. It's Tuesday, the 10th of August, 2021. It's my daughter's birthday this morning. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, a bit of a turnaround in US stocks today. Well, the the Nasdaq is back up a little bit, a 0.2% rise held by Moderna shares which uh, were up 18%. In fact, they've grown almost fivefold in the, in the last 12 months. Uh, the Dow is down 0.3%. The S&P is fairly flat, small rises in Europe. We've had a, another two basis points added to 10-year Treasury yields, up to 1.32%. It was down to 1.27% earlier. The US dollar up a little right now. The Aussie is down a third of 1%, around 73.3 US cents, not far off the year-to-date low that we saw in the second half of last month. The pound and the euro down around 0.2%. The US dollar is uh, not much on the yen today, but it is up 0.4% on the Swiss franc. And we've got more falls in oil, 2% down for Brent and WTI. Brent was down 4% at one stage. Gold is also down 1.9%. Comex got below $1,700 today, uh, the lowest since March, with a mini flash crash. Uh, We'll look at that today. And Bitcoin reached $436,400, pushing it over its 200-day average on its roller coaster ride to who knows where, probably the the, uh, the roller coaster ride to more regulation, I would have thought. So much quieter uh, than the reaction we saw to non farm payrolls on Friday. Here's Tapa Strickland to bring even more serenity uh, to the proceedings. Actually, it is a bit of a mixed market today, isn't it? Because uh, we've got confidence that the uh, taping might happen sooner. Uh, but we've also got oil way down, which shows that, you know, there's concerns that uh, the recovery is going to sl- uh, slow down. It's a bit of everything. And, uh, good morning, Phil. Yes, I think it is a little bit of everything. But really going back to the two themes that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, and that is concerns around the Delta variant that is sweeping through Asia and uh, is now starting to be felt in other areas of, of the world. And uh, markets, and I think quite, quite rightly still, uh, taking a high degree of confidence that uh, vaccines uh, will continue to prove very effective against the Delta variant, especially against severe cases and hospitalizations. And that seems to be generally the case that's playing out in the UK. Uh, but we are starting to get a few concerning reports coming out of Israel that suggest that uh, Israel may be heading back into even tighter restrictions that may even amount to a lockdown, just given that they have seen a recent surge in hospitalizations. And I think Israel is definitely worth watching here because yeah. that would disrupt some of the base case that, that there is within markets. Yeah, well, the, that, US, has um, raised the, their tra- yeah, the US has raised their travel advisories to Israel to its, to its highest level, to Israel and, and to France as well. So even though, of course, you know, in the United States, they're still, mm. still seeing numbers yes. rise. Yes, indeed. And uh, I think Israel is going to make an announcement in the next couple of days uh, around that. And they've got a public holiday coming up as well. So so uh, there's talk that they'll prob- they, they may lock down for that public holiday um, just to get around the kind of spread of the Delta variant. But one thing just worth worth watching there. And then the other uh, aspect that, that's been going on is how close is the Fed to, to tapering. And that stellar payrolls report that we got on Friday uh, really plays into that view that a tapering announcement could occur at an upcoming Fed meeting. And we got the first opportunity here from Fed officials Overnight, we got to hear from the Fed's Bostic and Barkin, and uh, Bostic said uh, if that pace of payrolls print were to continue for the next month or two, I think we would have made the substantial uh, further progress towards the goal. 
uh, for for tapering. Yeah, and he's and actually he's now, actually saying twenty twenty two as well. Could be if that's the case, then they for hiking. A, yeah, hiking rates yeah. next year. Yeah. Yes. 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 And, and just worth noting. Bostic previously was a dove, and he had come around to the hawkish camp in uh, June of this year, and uh, he's still within that uh, within that hawkish camp. It's fair to say if the Fed does embark in, in tapering in the next couple of months, uh, then that probably does open up the potential for a rate hike uh, in the second half of 2022. And uh, Bostic also noted that he wants the tapering process to uh, occur relatively fast. And I guess the faster that tapering process occurs, the greater optionality the Fed would have uh, to bring forward a rate hike into 2022 uh, with the current Fed dot plot still uh, in that kind of 2023 uh, time horizon there. And then market focus, as we become more confident that tapering will be announced, market focus will shift to the form of tapering. And uh, Bostic suggested that um, reducing the MBS purchases and treasuries at the same time would be uh, about right. And then the pace of that tapering to kind of get a gauge in exactly when the Fed is going to start um, hiking rates. I've been doing a few back of the envelope calculations. And to make up for the declining payrolls to pre-pandemic levels, uh, you get there by about February 2022. And to make up for where payrolls would have been on a linear trend uh, from pre-pandemic levels, you get there by around May to June 2022. So it does bring into play the potential uh, that the Fed could contemplate hiking at the end of uh, 2022 if the data prints that way. Yeah, and that's quite a big eve, isn't it? If things continue the way they are, and yet markets are seeing things a bit different, aren't they? So on the one side, we've got uh, we've got you know more hawkish central banks now all of a sudden, and yet the you know markets being more cautious. I mean, how do we sort of like uh, offset one against the other? I guess the central banks have been looking at. A lot of the vaccine research and uh, a lot of the confidence that markets had been showing in the front of that. And you'd have to say, even with the Delta variant concerns going around at the moment, uh, the equity market is still at near record highs. Mm. Uh, the only real caution is still being seen in the bond market and the FX market and now, and now perhaps even the in the commodity space as well. And it just remains a watch and see approach. And I think we have to watch very carefully about what happens in Israel and and the UK. And to some extent, the US, just given that they're very high uh, vaccine penetration countries uh, and they're dealing with the Delta variant as it occurs right now. Well, oil's telling us a different story as well, isn't it? Because oil is saying, well, look, you know, there's a concern that there's going to be less travel because of COVID, obviously. Uh, and, you know, that that comes from the concern that when we talked about it last week, didn't we, about flight con- cancellations out of Beijing and and other Chinese, Chinese cities. And now they're imposing more domestic restrictions on movement in China as well as cases rise there. And I was looking at uh, one of my favourites, Flight Radar. Again, the number of commercial flights has actually been falling since the start of the month, whereas that is not normally what happens in August. So uh, 22nd of July this year was 20% down on 2019. The 8th of August was 32% down on two years ago. So actually, you know, they're, they're pulling apart. So we are seeing the number of commercial flights reducing. Oh, Indeed, and that came on the back of the guidance issued last week by the Chinese Central Authorities telling people basically to stop non-essential travel and stay at home in, I think it was like 31 uh, provincial areas of mm. China. Um, so it's no surprise that you've seen that reduction in activity there. And uh, so far, markets until date are still trading with that assumption that uh, the Chinese authorities, having previously illustrated that they're able to uh, lock down hard and control the spread of uh different COVID variants uh, that they will be able to again. It still remains uncertain whether they could do that with in the face of the Delta variant. 
And I guess that's where a lot of the uncertainty is playing out at the moment. And, you know, are we not concerned about inflation now? Uh, is it, are we, have we bought the line that it is, uh, it's just transitory because we had the uh, consumer prices and purchase prices, the PPIs in China, both up a bit more than expected? Yeah, it seems like uh, the kind of narrative of inflation proving to be transitory still remains there in terms of a global sense. But with the Delta variant and um, some supply chain disruptions continuing, you'd have to say there's some persistent uh, impacts in terms of supply chains going on there. And so the potential for um, some of that to bleed through to inflation expectations remains there. But I think the base case still remains that a lot of this is temporary. As far as the producer prices though for China, it may suggest that the Chinese authorities may take a little bit more action on the production side in order to put a little bit more downward pressure on producer prices there. So I think that's one area to watch. And just reading uh, China's monetary policy report yesterday, mm. um, the kind of anecdotes within that were still relatively concerning in terms of the growth outlook. So I think markets will still remain relatively cautious in terms of China's near-term momentum. And just quoting one bit of that report, it said investment growth in some areas is relatively weak and consumer industries like catering and tourism have not yet fully recovered. The sustainability of the economy's growth momentum may face challenges. Uh, so it does suggest that there is still a relatively subdued outlook there and we should expect further easing from China. And uh, job openings, the jolts, uh, up to 10.1 million, uh, which is a, a staggering number. Of course, you've got to fill those jobs. It's, it's a bit meaningless if they're not filled. And in fact, if you've got a lot of jobs open and they're not getting filled, then there's the danger that you're going to have to uh, push salaries up to try and get those people. Oh, an outstanding number there. Um, so that 10.1 million job openings uh, was much higher the consensus, which was at 9.1, and importantly, exceeds the actual number of people looking for work, which uh, stood at 8.7 million. So theoretically, uh, if a person in the US was unemployed and they wanted a job, they could easily get one according to these figures. But just worth noting, that kind of profile had existed prior to the pandemic since early 2018. So that's nothing necessarily new that the number of job openings is exceeding the number of people uh, looking for work there. Uh, The really interesting thing for me in that report really came from the uh, quit rate, which is also close to its all-time high. Mm. And so that suggests that that there's a a fair bit of bargaining power for workers at at the moment there. as you start to get um, more confidence in the recovery building as the vaccine rollout continues and as the school kids go back to school in a physical sense, then you're likely to see labour supply returning to the US labour market. Yeah, which is obviously going to help with that argument for tapering sooner, isn't it? Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. So what about gold? Uh, that uh, a big a big fall. Well, we had a flash crash. That's exciting always. Uh, yes. So, um, just worth noting, uh, in Asia, so I think Japan was out on holiday. So it was pretty illiquid Asian trading conditions. You'd mm you'd have to say and uh, the gold and silver price definitely uh, fell quite quite sharply and I think gold hit uh, or actually went below uh, US uh, 1700 an ounce before uh, before bouncing back Um, and some of it obviously linked to that selling pressure after the very strong payrolls print and the kind of lift in real yields that we did see within markets but just given illiquid trading conditions uh, definitely saw a flash crash in gold and silver so today, not a great deal. The NAB business survey, obviously the highlight. Uh, we don't know what's in it, of course, but we do know it will have been influenced by the, uh, the by the Sydney lockdown and the uh, which is becoming the protracted Sydney lockdown. We can now call it, and uh, of course, the, you know the the the, uh, the lockdowns we're seeing in other parts of the country as well. Uh, definitely, and just worth noting, those lockdowns now I think are 
going a little bit beyond what the RBA had uh, factored in into mm. their um, August uh, statement on monetary policy. Um, so their main assumption was that Sydney's protracted lockdown would extend uh, through to the end of September and that uh, there would only be very short snap lockdowns elsewhere. Um, but when you look at Melbourne, um, the period between its lockdowns, I think it was eight days. So you'd have to say pretty much that Melbourne's most recent lockdown is almost a continuation of their prior lockdowns there. And to that extent, you'd have to say the risks uh, to the outlook in the near term uh, to the downside of the RBA's optimistic uh, assumptions there. Right. And the only other two things, really, the Zoo uh, Confidence Survey from Germany and the NFIB, the Small Business Optimism Numbers from the US. Uh, much to say about those before we go? Uh, unlikely to be all that market moving, you'd have to say. Uh, the, the German Zoo is a survey of market analysts. Uh, the NFIB Small Business Survey, um, I think the consensus there is for small business sentiment to be a little changed. Just worth noting, the Fed's Mester is also talking and she's giving brief opening remarks to a virtual discussion of inflation risks in the US versus Europe. So that might be worth mm. looking for just to the latest kind of updates in terms of people's views on, on inflation risks in those two major economies. Uh, it's it, it's transitory tap. So just remember, it's only tap, uh, transitory. Look quickly as well before we go. Um, the IPCC report. I don't know whether this had any impact on oil. Maybe not because it's a, oil prices obviously work on a much shorter time frame. But the one thing that report was saying was we should be more concerned about climate change. It's going to happen uh, far faster than they'd said previously, uh, and you know it's likely we're going to reach that 1.5 degrees on pre-industrial levels over the next 20 years, which means things will have to be done faster uh i mean we are going to be talking about we haven't got time to talk about it now but we are going to be talking about that a lot more over the next uh, year or so aren't we uh definitely and it, it is concerning how quickly uh, those kind of risks are starting to be realized and i think that will help shape investors focus more towards the mm. esg space and you're you're already seeing a lot of actions by a lot of central banks right around the world uh, to help steer that 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 debate and i think we'll continue to see that going yeah. forward all right very good thanks for your time catch you next time cheers thanks phil that's tuesday morning's morning call i'm Phil Dobby for NAB, back again tomorrow morning. See you then.